words. All right. We are dealing with, and hopefully we're going to um, finish this subject on tonight, and that is the seven feasts of Jehovah. Amen. Seven feasts of Jehovah. Amen. And certainly we're going to go to where we got this scripture, our thought in the first place, and that is in Daniel 7. And Daniel wanted to know uh, he had a love for his brethren, his Jewish brethren. Amen. Uh, God, what is going to happen to my people? And we know this is time of Babylonian captivity. Amen. I don't know how many kings Daniel outlived. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Belteshazzar, amen, uh, was the king, I believe, when he had this dream. Uh, he served 70 years in captivity, amen, served with distinction, amen, and he's praying about his Jewish brethren. Lord, what is going to happen to my people? Amen. Amen. And we got that thought here in uh, Daniel chapter seven. And I want to pick this up uh, in verse 25, because we have uh, gone through this uh, through great uh, with great uh, specificity. We uh, know what this is saying, but I want to just get the thought before us. Look at verse 25, Daniel 7 and 25. And he who is that the Antichrist shall speak great words against the Most High. Isn't that something? The Antichrist will come in and he will blaspheme God and he will blaspheme God's temple. And he's going to blaspheme those that are in heaven. We get that in, in Revelation uh, 13. Yet he wants to ascend into the seat. Of God. Isn't that something? Uh, all right. So he's going to speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Look at that. We're, we're going to uh, focus in on that tonight. And shall not try. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High and to think to change times and laws. And there shall be given unto his hand. He will be given authority for a certain amount of time. All right. There should be given unto his hand until a time and times and the dividing of times. Amen. Certainly we know that time and times and the dividing of time is three and a half years. It's talking about that tribulation period. Amen. Where. Uh, those that have rejected him, those that have pierced him, uh, will have to go through hell on earth. Amen. But I thank God, God always has a way that's mighty sweet. Amen. So uh, Daniel in his scripture here, and we we're bringing our thought, the seven feasts of Jehovah. Um, he says there's a time where the Antichrist will be allowed to wear out the saints. And that can be quite confusing. Now, I want to take you, let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Let me put something in here because I want to come back to this. 
Matthew 16 and 18. <clears throat> this is the first time that Jesus mentions church in the Bible. Matthew 16. <clears throat> Uh, in 13, it says, and when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say I, the son of man, am? All right. But we want to pick up this thought. We want to go right to verse 18. And what does he say? And I say also unto thee that thou art who? Peter? And upon this rock, now Peter was not that rock. We all know Peter couldn't stand up to a damsel. Come on, somebody. He went back to cussing and vision. Amen. Uh, but he's talking about the revelation that Jesus is God that Peter had. Look what he says. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said hell is not going to prevail against his church. Daniel said uh, the Antichrist shall prevail and wear out the saints. So, you know, it might be some. This is proof that we're not talking about the bride of Christ. We're talking about the tribulation saints, amen, the Jews and, and Gentiles too, amen, that have missed, um, that will have to go through hell on earth, that three and a half year period, uh, the Antichrist is going to be given a time, a time, times, and the dividing of a time, three and a half years that he's going to be allowed to prevail and uh, wear out the saints. My God. But I don't want you to get that confused with the bride of Christ. We are primarily a Gentile bride. We have him because they rejected him. Amen. He said it in uh, uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, chapter 10, and other sheep that I have are not of this fold. Them I must bring also. Come on, somebody. My God, because they rejected him, we will have him. And he said that we will be one sheepfold and one shepherd because we're all one in Christ Jesus. So I wanted to prove that point. Uh, we are talking about the tribulation saints. We're not talking about the church. And I have to keep saying that and emphasizing that because there are some that are even among us that believe that the church is going to go through the tribulation period. Now, if that's the case, Jesus lied here in, in, in Matthew 16. He said the gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church. My God. All right. I, I believe I believe Jesus. Th those are written in, 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 in the uh, red letters. Those are the words of Jesus. The gates of hell will not prevail. You'll never get my bride. 
I will always protect my bride. I will always protect my church. Satan, you can't have it. You're not won't you won't even get an opportunity. Amen, somebody. The church is going to be raptured out. Amen. And then in uh, Revelation, where we see the seals being opened, uh, that's the authority that he is going to be given. The Antichrist is going to be given for a space of time. How long? A time, times, and half time, times, times, dividing of times, 1,260 days, 42 months. You'll see it in various places in the Bible. It's all referring to the tribulation period. Amen. And that is the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Because in chapter 8, when the seventh seal is open, everything goes silent. For one half hour, everything. You know, somebody. My God. And I, I liken that unto, you know, children at home raising cane and, you know, stirring up a whole bunch of trouble. And your parents walk in the door. And everybody like, uh-oh. <laughs> now... Uh, Antichrist has been given all this time to raise all of this, I mean, death by any means possible, wild beasts in, in the sword and, and famine and hunger and all of this going on. And then uh, God is going to say, all right, Antichrist, you gave it your best shot. Now I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to pour out now among somebody. My God, real wrath. And you're going to understand what the wrath of God is. And when he steps in on the scene, the earth, all of God's creation goes silent for a period of one half hour. He said, let the nations be silent before me. And then he's going to start pouring out his wrath. Let's see if we can get it uh, this time. It's the seven seals and the seven uh, plagues and the seven, no, it's the seven trumps, the seven plagues, the three woes, and the seven vials. Let me try that again, see if I can, I can get it. We got the seven seals, we got the seven trumps, uh, and if we put it in order, uh, there's three woes that come in between the first um, four Trumps and then the last three, you got three woes come in between there. Then you got the seven plagues and then you have the seven vials. God's wrath is going to be poured out and they'll never repent. My God, they'll nobody is going to be saved during that period. And they'll they'll know it's God pouring out his wrath, yet they will not repent. Look at this. Uh, God also gives Daniel, and I tell the Lord, you know, I now, you know the saints, when I'm weighing him out, he keeps giving me more revelation on this particular topic. I keep adding stuff to it. Let's go to the last uh, Daniel uh, 7, no, 12, the last of this uh, chapter. The angel of the Lord uh, stands before God and God makes a promise. 
um, to Daniel. All right. Daniel loved his people. Amen. And we want to read um, <clears throat> Daniel 12. And we want to begin reading at 7 and we'll go through 10. All right. You all have it. This is the end. The last days, the prophecy of the last days. Look what he said. And I heard the man clothed in linen. That's the angel that spoke with Daniel, which was upon the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half time. My God. When he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard but understood not. Then I said, O Lord, what shall be the end of these things? What does he say in verse 9? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed and sealed up until the time of the end. All right. Well, you all remember John in Revelation um, 5 and 6. He was brought to tears because they couldn't find nobody to open the book. All right. So he tells Daniel these things are sealed until the time of the end. Well, now they're opened. We, we have revelation and each one of those seals were or opened up. And this prophecy now is revealed unto us. All right. It's going to be sealed until the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand him. My God, uh, if a man lacketh wisdom, let him ask God. But look at this. We're going to read this one more time. He held up his hand. He held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven. I'm back in verse seven. And swear by him that liveth forever. We, we know who that is, right? <laughs> My God, him that liveth forever, ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half time. Daniel, that's how long the Antichrist will be allowed to war and prevail against the saints. I, you have it from me. Isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, I think that's just wonderful. You know, that you can have something that uh, that's bothering you so much uh, when you walk up right before God and, and, and you pray and ask him in earnest, God, what's going to, this is bothering me. What's going to happen to my people? God made a promise to him. The angel had to raise his hand to heaven and God swore to him, Daniel, it's going to be for a time, times, and what, what does this one say? Uh, and for and a half, and a half, all right? And when he shall have accomplished, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Yes, they're going to go through. 
But Daniel, I'm going to bring it to an end. I'm not going to give him full control. He's not going to be allowed to destroy. My God, he said, Israel is my son, my firstborn son. God is going to save his people. And that's what the enemy is going to think. You know, woe be unto the inhabitants of the earth, because now he's come down unto you having great wrath, knowing that his time is short. His, his intent is to wipe the earthly seed out. My God, let me say this before um, I forget it. God told Abraham, Abraham, can you count the stars in the sky? No, Lord. He says, so shall thy seed be. He said, Abraham, look to the seashore. Can you count the grains of sand on the seashore? No, Lord. He said, so shall thy seed be. Abraham, I'm going to bless you with a heavenly seed and I'm going to bless you with an earthly seed. My God, we're the heavenly seed that will be caught up. The bride of Christ will be caught up and spared the tribulation period. Come on, somebody. But there will be an earthly seed, a remnant left here on the earth that God is going to protect him. He swore to Abraham. My God. And the Bible says when he couldn't swear by any other, you know how we go into the courthouse and you lay your hands on the Bible. Do you swear? Uh, you know, uh, God, when he looked around for something greater than himself, he couldn't find anything. So he put his hand on himself. He swore by himself. There is no greater authority than I am. My God. And here he is uh, telling Daniel, Daniel, uh, you know, he doesn't say don't worry, but, but that's what he's saying. Uh, uh, this is going to come to pass, but I'm going to bring it to an end. Amen. Uh, Satan will not be allowed to destroy and wipe out this earthly seed. All right. So these are the people, amen, that we are talking about. Amen. Uh, the tribulation saints, the Jews that will come through the tribulation. Amen. Do you all realize that when the church started, uh, it was made up of all Jews and no Gentiles? Come on, somebody. It wasn't until uh, God prepared Peter. He said Cornelius was praying and he was seeking the Lord. You know, it's one thing about praying and asking God. God does answer prayers. Come on, somebody. Peter preached the first message. This thing is unto you. That's the Jew. It's unto your children. That's the little Jews and them that are far off. And as many as the Lord God, God shall call. Come on, somebody. But yet Peter preached it, but yet had a prejudiced mind. They didn't think the Gentiles were going to come in or even worthy to come into the body of Christ. And I'm th I thank God he took those Jewish brethren with him. All right. So when the church first started, it was made up of just Jews. And it was approximately seven years later that God worked on Peter at Joppa. Come on, somebody. And let down that blanket that had all kinds of meats on it. 
And he, he said, oh, no, Lord, I, you know, I don't, you know, you all know what Jews think about pork. I don't mess with that stuff. And God said, what I have cleansed, don't you call common or unclean. And when God prepared him, he went to the house of Cornelius and Cornelius was getting ready to get down. on. I believe he did get down on his knee. And, and, and Peter said, hey, get up, man. I'm a man just like you are. I perceive God is no respecter of persons. My God. So the first church um, for seven years was all Jews. All right. It wasn't until seven years later. He went to the house of Cornelius. Amen. And God poured the Holy Spirit out on the Gentiles. Come on, somebody. My God. And, you know, um, he got in trouble. And, uh, you know, Peter said, listen, don't get mad at me. Ask the Jewish brothers that came with me. God poured out the Holy Ghost on them just like he did on us. And that cooled them down. Said, well, you know, well, listen, if God is pouring out his spirit upon them, uh, who are we? If he poured out his spirit on them just as he did on us. Come on, somebody. My God. What is your point, Pastor? The first church for seven years was a totally a Jewish church. This church during the tribulation period, seven years is primarily a Jewish church. Yes, there will be some Gentiles in there, but it's primarily a Jewish church. I told you about um, the time of Jacob's trouble when um, that's that time, the seven year tribulation period. Uh, Jacob, he worked for seven years uh, for Rachel, but he got Leah. And so what did he have to do? He had to work another seven years to get his intended bride. Now, when Jesus came, he didn't get his intended bride. Now, I think I look kind of cute, but uh, he wasn't he wasn't coming for me. And y'all look cute, too. But we were not his intended bride. Come on, somebody. He came to his own and his own received him not. Come on, somebody. Then he turned around and said, I'm going to leave to you your house desolate until you say, blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. How long is it going to take him to get his intended bride? Another seven years. What are you saying, Pastor? What is the point? Uh, as it was at the beginning, so shall it be at the end. We're reverting back to what was at the beginning. Um, everything that's in Genesis is going to be concluded in Revelation. Amen. We're going back. We're going back. The Bible said there's nothing new under the sun. Amen. Everything that has been will be again. Now, if we think about this, every leader, we've gone through those different uh, empires at one time or another that have uh, ruled over Israel. All of those kings wanted to be worshipped as God. I mean, even if we go back to Nimrod, he wanted to be worshipped as God. Amen. Uh, if we think about um, that was the original Babylon. 
We'll go to the Neo-Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be worshipped as God. If we go to the Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, Amen. The revived Roman Empire, which coming, which is coming into fruition right before our very eyes. All of these individuals wanted to be worshipped as God. What got us in this mess in the first place? Satan wanted to ascend into the seat of God. And what the scriptures say, I saw him fall as lightning. What's going to spark the end of this thing when uh, when Israel, the Jews are finally going to wake up and realize this is not our Messiah? What's going to happen? He's going to that rebuilt temple. He's going to cause the oblation to cease. Don't worship God. He's going to sit into the seat of God. And wants to be the one that comes in blaspheming God, blaspheming his temple, blaspheming those in heaven. And yet he wants to be God. What are you what are you saying, Pastor? Let's get back to this point. What has been in the beginning? We're going right back to that. It's going to be the same at the end. Come on, somebody. We are resorting back uh, to the way of the Roman system. All right. This is a Babylonian. It's, as I say, it's all Babylon, Babylon, um, um, total control. Amen. Um, um, uh, autocracy, uh, an autocratic government. Uh, do you all wonder why democracy is under attack right now? Hmm. The powers that be have become, uh, their numbers have uh, become so small that they can't do what they want to do by vote. Now, they always use vote and voting as a means to uh, hold people down. But when your numbers are not there anymore, voting doesn't get you where you're going, where you need to go or want to go. So now democracy is under attack because we're reverting back to an, uh, a totality, totality, uh, a to, totality, okay, I done messed it up now, to an autocratic uh, to a dictatorial uh, system. All right, that that's where we headed. All right, what 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 kind of system is that? That's one uh, economic system. That's one monetary system. Uh, that's one religious system. That's one government. All right. Uh, we're going back to what was in the beginning. Amen. We talked about the, the Gregorian calendar. Where did we get that from? We got that from the Romans, the Roman, uh, the uh, Roman Empire. All right. Um, when we look at our form of government, it comes from the Roman Empire. 
All right. We talk about the architecture in, in a lot of the buildings that are at Washington. Where did those come from? It came from the Roman Empire, the influence. And we're actually going back because this is the revived Roman Empire. My God, what was in the beginning will be again. We're reverting back. People talk about the one world government, the deep state, all of these things that people talk about. Um, they don't have a clue. This is the last beast empire that made Daniel sick and it made John stand up and pay attention. My God, he saw the worst, an amalgamation of all those beasts before the Babylonian empire, uh, the Persian empire, the Grecian empire, the Roman empire, and now the revived Roman empire. I saw the worst of all of our enemies, that's what John said, amalgamated into one horrible beast. See, we're, uh, saints, God's word is true, and it's happening right before our very eyes. And, and you know, it's so sad. People don't, they sit right in church, they don't even see it. They don't have no discernment for the signs. And that's my, my next point. The signs. Amen. Um, uh, let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. This is Bible class. Everybody ought to have your Bible. Everybody ought to have your Bible. This is Bible class, and you cannot go through Bible class um, at the mall. You can't go through Bible class while you're working out. Uh, give God his time. Give him his due. Uh, I, have, um, I have shared with you all before that I am the conservator. My wife and I, we are the conservators for... Elder Tyree, and we have had to go to court um, uh, several times concerning his affairs. Now, we did not go to the physical court. We actually was sitting right in our kitchen, um, but we were in court, and you're not going to just appear before court uh, with, you know, tie-dye shirt. They want you to have all the garb that you would normally have on in the courtroom. You follow all the rules. And yes, you ain't going to be sitting, you know, tell the judge, and I'm sitting in my own house and you ain't going to tell me to shut up. Well, when the judge tell you to, to shut the judge can actually find you in contempt of court sitting in your own house. This is the court we in. This is the day and time we're living in now. So we had to put on our garb and, 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 you know, straighten your hair out. Look, look like you sitting in a courtroom. Yes, Your Honor. Uh, people are sworn in. Come on, somebody. Now, listen, if we can understand that, why can't we understand uh, uh, coming to Bible class and giving God his honor? You cannot go and study Bible class at the gym, in the mall, whatever else you're trying to do, you can't be in court and be on the job working. 
They they don't want you that you need to be somewhere sitting down. All of the rules, the honor and respect of the court are in full effect. And if you can understand the natural, you can understand the spiritual. Give God his honor. Amen. Get yourself someplace quiet. Uh, get your Bible. Amen. This is Bible study. Reverence God. Hold him in proper place and perspective. He, you know, uh, I, I, you, I'm just surprised at, at individuals, you know, what they will do. And, you know, I start asking people now that they're having problems. Are you in Bible class? No. Well, you know, I, I go back and pick them up. No, no, no. That's not showing God the proper uh, respect in holding him and honoring him. This is Bible class. I don't care where you are. And, you know, as uh, uh, the professors, I would love those professors in college to tell people, you know, uh, tell the students to take notice. You're probably going to see this again. Or sometime they give you the wink, wink. You know, uh, I, if I were you all, I would take. Uh, take good notes because this this subject might come. In other words, you might see it on the midterm. You might see it on the final. I always appreciated uh, uh, professors that would let you know. And then other professors, you know, that they, they wouldn't concern you. Is this going to be on the final? Well, it might be there. It might be. Now, you going to give us any clue? You don't study? Nah, just study the whole thing. But there were the other ones that was concerned about your success in making it through the class. Now, as your professor, I'm telling you, this one is going to be on the final. You, you need to take note of what we're talking about. You're going to see this again. Take it serious. All right. I already lost my thought. All right. Well, we're going to go to Matthew 16. I threw all that in for free, y'all. Matthew 16. Uh, look at this. Look what Jesus said. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting, desiring him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, when it is evening, you, you ye say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and lowing. Oh, hypocrites, come on, somebody, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. My God, and he left them and departed. Just as Jonah was in the earth, so shall the son of man be. Belly of the, of the well, so shall the son of man be. Listen, you can tell the signs of the weather, but you, then, you want, you, then you want me to give you a sign about the coming of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, um, listen, when you, when you get out there on, on 94, about it, uh, Zeb Road, you get the sign that says Chicago, 238 something miles. All right. As you get closer to Chicago, 
the sign does not change. It's still Chicago. The miles reduce, but the sign still says Chicago. How many know that the Lord is coming? <laughs> He's coming for a prepared people. He's coming for a prepared church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. The sign is the same. I don't care if you're coming from, you know, uh, if they gave you a sign all the way in San Diego, California. If you're going to Chicago, you're coming to Detroit, it's going to say Detroit. Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. And next thing you know, you're going to be in Detroit. My God. And each and every one of us, listen, uh, don't be a hypocrite. Now, we can, we, can, we can determine everything. Time I need to do this and time I need to do this and time I need to be there. But yet, you can't discern the coming of the Lord. My God, it's time for the church to get ready, saints. Amen. It is time for the church to get ready for the coming of the Lord. All right, let's go to First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. This is all the extra that God gave me to go with this. We're going to get back to our thought and uh, the Lord says the same. We're going to finish this. On tonight, First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. I want to share something with you, uh, verses one through nine. What did Paul say? First Thessalonians five, one through nine. Nobody knows when the Lord is going to be returned. It's going to return. Look at this. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. But ye are all the what? Children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, or since this is a fact, let us not sleep as do others. But let us do what? Watch and be sober. My God. Watch and and be sober. Uh, we're waiting for the Feast of Trumps. That last trump is getting ready to blow, but we got to watch. My God, and from uh, Jerusalem, the trumpet player, the, the, uh, the one that blew the trump, he didn't know when the last trump was going, but when he could see the sliver of the new moon, my God, he would blow the trump. And what does God say? I'm coming as a thief in the night. So you got to watch and be sober. My God, uh, not only watch you, my, that, that's sober. <laughs> I thank God for a sound mind. A lot of people. All right. 
For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and that be, they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on what? The breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, uh, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to do what? Obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. My God, you hypocrites, you can determine everything else. Know when you need to do this and know when you need to, that, to do that, yet you have no discernment of the coming of the Lord. Come on, somebody. All right, now, um, this particular scripture that we're on, stay right there. I want to show you something and share something with you. We have uh, studied this before, and I want to just show this uh, theologian's view of revelation. And actually, this can be, uh, revelation is prophecy, all right? And this can be viewed of any prophecy that you see in the Bible. There's four different views that they take, all right? There's the polymus view. Everything is an allegory to reveal a hidden message. All right. And, and you can think about the different views uh, that you may have when you think about a prophecy that you read in the Bible. Isn't an allegory uh, a story uh, that reveals some truth? Uh, when we think about um, um uh, those that were with Moses and came uh, through the sea and were baptized unto Moses. All right. Uh, that water through the sea was a pattern of baptism to come. Moses was a type of Christ. All right. Uh, if we think about it, um, except you're born of the water and of the spirit. Amen. We must have that same baptism and they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. You got to have him. You must be tied to him. Amen. So that can be an allegory to reveal a hidden a message. Let's look at the other one. Historist view, to, if we go to the right. Uh, things that have happened in the past. Uh, everything that you read as far as prophecy, revelation has something that's already happened in the past. All right. Let's drop down category um, um, to the bottom uh, left. Uh, Petrus view. All right. Prophecy that has already been fulfilled. All right. Not only is it something they're saying some of the historic view say it's already happened in the past. Well, the Petrus view is prophecy that has already taken place. It's yet to be fulfilled. All right, and then the last one is the futurist view, prophecy of the future. None of it's in the past, all right? And I, what I want to impress upon your heart, I believe that all of these are true when it comes down to any prophecy that you read in the Bible, all right? And the reason I bring that up, uh, those that want a copy of this, you can do your, you can do a... Um, Take your phone and do a, uh, a shot of this. It comes out pretty good. And the reason um, let me see. 
I'm going to leave that up for a few more minutes. So if anybody want to take a picture of that, uh, they can. All right. Different theologians, their, their view. Uh, it says Revelation because we were studying Revelation at the time. But any prophecy that you see in the Bible is the polemist view, the historist view, the preterist view, or the futurist view. All right. I believe all of those views are uh, appropriate when we look at, at the scriptures. Um, now, the reason I, I mentioned that here, because I want to use this scripture here that we have just read. Uh, let's go back to First Thessalonians 5 and 1. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. All right. You all hear me say this scripture um, speaking of right now. It's applicable to us right now. Every prophecy has a a, a, a present truth and a, a future uh, truth. All right. So it is talking about us right now. But is it really? Let's, let's read on. Look at uh, verse three. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon woman with a child, and they shall not escape. Now, many of you have heard me quote the scripture and I say, well, I'm really not using it in context because this scripture is talking about the time that we're studying right now. Because when the Antichrist comes in, he comes in on the white horse. He is the... Uh, if you will, the Prince of Peace. He's got the answer for the war in Ukraine. He's got the answer for global warming. He's got the answer for um, uh, starvation and hunger. He's got the answer for uh, third world countries that are going through and suffering so much. Amen. Uh, but when they say peace, he's a man of peace. He's coming in on a white horse. All right. Uh, he's going to be given power to conquer, and to conquering and to conquer. All right. And also, I didn't re pull that scripture up. It says, how does he obtain uh, the kingdom? Through flattery. All right. It's amazing what you can get from somebody if you would just flatter them. We just had a president. That's all you got to do is speak something well about him. He don't care who you, you can be Kim Jong-un of North Korea. <laughs> what did he say? We fell in love. He flattered him. The Russians would call it a useful idiot. You'd be surprised what you can get from individuals if you would just flatter them. All right. So this particular scripture, if we put it in context, now it works. You can teach it both ways. But this is talking about the time when they're going to say peace and he's going to negotiate peace. Then there's going to be sudden destruction. Amen. All right. So I wanted to put it in context because then there's uh, there's also... Um, that that scripture, woe to be in the woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. For now Satan has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he know that his time is short. That's a present tense <laughs> prophecy. Uh, 
that's that's alive and well right now. Come on, somebody. But it's also something that is for the tribulation saints as well. Because he's only going to have a time, times, and a dividing of time. All right. So I wanted to show you the different views because a lot of these scriptures we can use and they are applicable. But if you really study them, this particular scripture, I love to use it here in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 1. I use it all the time. But you get a better understanding when you get to verse three. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction. My God. All right. Sudden destruction. All right. So there is a present tense and there is a future tense to all prophecy. And I believe that all of those different views concerning prophecy that uh, theologians have, I believe they're all true because you can't put God in no box. Amen. You cannot put God uh, in a box. All right. Let's go back to our Moads and catch up to where we are. I have one here that I want to show you the list of them. Uh, let me see. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, let me show you this. I'm going to show you this while I'm looking for the one that I want. Oops, no, I don't want to do that. I'll let you all take a look at that. And I want to find my Moads. Here they go. That is the one world government, the final world order, World War Three, as outlined in Revelation 13. You can take a uh, picture of that one world government, authoritarian government, one monetary system. All right. There's going to be one world trade. It's going to include slavery as part of it. And the uh, everything that is going to be uh, is already in, in place right now. We're having a, a hard time with the sex um, slave industry right now. Uh, one legal code. All right. Those that don't take up the mark of the beast in their hands or in their foreheads will be killed. One supreme leader. All right. One communication system, everything, all the communication, uh, the the people in Russia, they have no, well, a lot of them, the, the bills, the beans have been spilled because they're trying to get out of Russia. But the Kremlin uh, controls all the communication. All right. They're going to control the media. Uh, one of the things that the former president did was always attacking the media, even for bringing the truth that they don't want truth. All right. OK, let's go back to these Moads. The seventh feast of Jehovah, 
You can take a picture of this if you haven't. Um, the Feast of Passover. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen. Who is he? Christ, our Passover. Amen. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Amen. He that knew no sin, that sinless lamb, come on somebody, became sin for us. The Feast of Unleavened Bread that went along with the Feast of Passover. First of all, did he keep the Passover? He did. All right, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What did he say? Take this is my body. It was broken for you. The Bible said he was marred more than any other man. We are to become a new lump as you are unleavened. Um, yeast was a type, uh, uh, typical of sin. All right. Are we living sinless lives? Are we presenting our body? Come on, somebody. Which is our what? Reasonable service. Did he keep it? Yes, he did. Did you meet him there? Yes, we did. How about the Feast of First Fruits? Did he get up and became what? First fruits from the grave. Amen. And if he got up, come on, somebody was first fruit. That means if I go by way of the grave, I can get up too. All right. Did he keep it? He died and still kept the Moad. What about the Feast of Pentecost? This is the Moad when souls are just coming, will begin to come into the kingdom of God. Acts 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. All right. Did he keep it? Yes, he did. Did you meet him there? Come on, somebody. Did he speak out of you? Did you hear him? Did you speak with other tongues? What about when he told them to meet him at Jerusalem? What about if those that decided they were not going to meet him there? Stay at Jerusalem until you be endowed with power from up on high. What if they decided not to go? Come on, somebody. My God. All right. Only those that were there were filled. Amen. Came in the house as a Russian mighty wind and sat upon each of them as a fire, as a clothing tongue, as a fire, sat upon each of them. And they were what? All filled. All right. Did he feel you? Did he keep the Moad? Yes, he did. Somebody said, well, you know, I was saved on a Monday. I was saved on a Tuesday. I was saved on a Sunday. That's good. You met him. Amen. All right. Here's the trick. The Feast of Trumpets, have he kept it? No, that's the one we're waiting on right now. But this is the order in which there go Moses, uh, the Antichrist is going to think to change the times and the laws. All right. Now we're talking about the Day of Atonement. That's when Daniel said that uh, those Jewish brethren... He's going to want to wear them out and he wants more time. All right. 
but I liken this if we're if we're at the feast of trumps right now. I liken this unto a football game. If I don't want you to get to the end zone, well, guess what? I'm going to contest you on first down, second down, third down, fourth down. I'm going to try to uh, force you to uh, turn the ball over to me on downs if you can't get a first down. All right. So if Satan is going to try to change the times and the laws on the day of atonement, why wouldn't he also contest us on the Feast of Trumps? Come on, somebody. And God said, if I didn't shorten the days, the very elect wouldn't be saved. So he's, we're spiritual Israel right now. Come on, somebody. He's fighting with us. Trying to wear us out. But God said, except I shorten the days, the very elect will not be saved. And that particular scripture also works for the Feast of Trumps and it also works for the Day of Atonement. Remember, there's a future tense. uh, There's a present tense and a future tense of all prophecy. All right. Let's go over this last one, the Feast of Atonement. All right, this is the one Daniel was talking about. My Jewish brethren, Satan is going to try, he's going to fight against them and prevail. But God is going, God gave Daniel a promise. It's only going to last a time, times, and a half. Three and a half years. All right. We saw the beginning of the tribulation period with the opening of the seals. This man of peace, he is going to come in. He's going to negotiate peace. He's going to have the answer. He's going to rebuild the temple. And at midweek, uh, we found that in um, Daniel 9, and we're not going to go back. Go back to Daniel 9 and 27. He's going to cause the oblation to cease. Don't worship God. Uh, I want you to worship me. And that's when their eyes are going to open. This is not our Messiah. My God. All right. On last Wednesday, this Feast of Atonement, the Jews call it Yom Kippur. When we were studying this on last Wednesday, that was the actual day. Yom Kippur. It's the most holy, sacred day day in the Jewish uh, religion. And it was actually on the iPhone. I showed it to you. Um, Sahat is the next one we're looking for. Uh, You might even find that on the calendar too. These are all on the Jewish calendar. They're not on the Gregorian calendar. And that's why many of us don't know uh, these feast days exist. But we go back to the laws in Leviticus 23rd chapter and we find them all there. All right. This was known as the Day of Atonement. Amen. The Jews celebrate this day with fasting, with praying, repenting. Amen. Uh, To be atoned back to God. The other controversial thing that happened last Wednesday was Count Day. And a lot of the school systems were upset because uh, those Jews, they're not showing up to school 
on Yom Kippur. <laughs> they take this thing serious. You can shut down that school and, and you can complain all you want to. Our Jewish children are not coming to school on that particular count date because that is the most holy of the Jewish holidays. Yom Kippur. I don't care if it calls falls on a, a count day. Oh, we got to have your kids can know they're not coming. If they don't keep this feast, they're out of the faith. All right. And that's what Moses, uh, God told Moses, tell my people, these are my holy Moads. I'm going to keep them. Anybody that don't meet me here is going to be eliminated. All right. All right. So. Um, anybody that was not, uh, didn't keep this Moad was cut off. This was the most solemn of uh, feast days. All right. And I thank God that he has already atoned us for our sins. He went to the Calvary's cross. Come on, somebody. My God, it became sin for each and every one of us. Amen. But this is the Moad that Daniel was talking about, that he's going to be trying to wear out the saints, but Jesus is going to keep this appointment. Come on, somebody. They will realize their eyes will open that this is not our Messiah and they're going to cry out to him and he's going to show up. When we talk about um, in Revelation 6, the uh, uh, many Bible theologians call this the four horses of the apocalypse. Now, remember, there's going to be a fifth horse that uh, comes riding in in uh, Revelation chapter 19 on a white horse, and that one will be Jesus, and we will be with him, all dressed in white. Amen. Come on, somebody. My God, and they're going to see him. They're going to cry out for him. Amen. And he's going to atone them for their sins. How long is it going to be, Daniel? A time, times and a half, three and a half years. I'm going to bring this thing to it. Don't you worry, Daniel. I'm going to bring this thing to an end. All right. How are they going to know this? Read Daniel 9 and 27. We talked about that. Amen. He's going to cause the place to be desolate. Come on, somebody. That's the abomination that uh, Daniel uh, spoke about. All right. That's going to happen. We see it in Matthew uh, 24. And that goes back to uh, prophecy, the different views of prophecy, because that uh, abomination of desolation as spoken by the prophet Daniel happened before multiple times. And, and yet it's going to happen again when this new temple is rebuilt. Amen. All right. <clears throat> but let's look at uh, Zechariah, uh, the 12th chapter. He prophesies the coming of the Messiah, the king. In um, this day of atonement, and this is really review. I do have another scripture reference here. Oh, yeah. Let's look at this one. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll give you the scripture reference, but you all know this one. This is uh, Matthew 24, 15 through 24. All right. That's the one we were just talking about. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. He tells them to flee. All right. Uh, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the house top come not down to take anything out of his house. Uh, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. All right. Woe unto them that be with child and to them that give suck in those days. Uh, back in 70 AD, when Titus came and destroyed the temple, it was estimated at 100, um, not 100, 1 million Jews were slaughtered and killed. This is going to happen again in World War Three. And he tells them to when you, when this happens, flee, run, run for your life. My God. And if you want more detail on this scripture, go back to our study of uh, Revelation. All right. Zechariah. He prophesied of the coming Messiah. The one that comes in in chapter 19 of Revelation uh, 12. 10 through 14. What does he say? I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. They rejected him. My God, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which have, uh, what is it? Is it stone the prophets and torn down my altars, or is it torn down my altars and stone my prophets? All right, they have pierced him. And what's going to happen now? And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem and a mourning of Heridium in the valley of Megiddon. Now, this is, uh, this is also uh, Megiddo. This is also the Valley of Jehoshaphat. This is, um, Mount Hermon. This is also, uh, this is the place that the battle of Armageddon is going to take place. All right. That's the type of mourning that's going to take place. And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David apart and their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart and their wives apart the family of the house of Levi apart and their wives apart, the family of Shimei apart and their wives apart, all the families that remain, every family apart and their wives apart. Among somebody, my God, they're going to mourn. We, this, this one that we thought was our Messiah was not him. This is our Messiah. My God, Jesus said in five, John five and 43, I am come in my father's name and you receive me not. And look at what he says. If another shall come in his own name, him, ye will receive. How did he do it? By flatteries, just flattering the people. But God gave him 
that first horse, that first seal, he's going to come in conquering and to conquer. All right. Now look at um, Luke 13. This is just review. Uh, 34 and 35. He said that I've quoted this, but we'll read it. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets and stoneth them that are sent unto thee. How often, all right, would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And verily I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time when ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And that's what we were just reading in Zechariah. They're going to see him, the one in whom they have pierced, and they're going to mourn for him. My God, the family and their wives apart, every one of them are going to mourn for him as one as one for their firstborn. Come on, somebody. My God, this is the day of atonement. God is going to keep this Moad. Amen. Uh, Satan is going to try to change the times and the laws that he might get more time to wear them out. But we read it. The promise to Daniel. Daniel is going to be for a year. Uh, uh, what did I say? A time, times, and a half time. We read that. All right. Um, here's the confirmation in Romans 11. Romans 11. Uh, 25 through 27. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. This is a mystery to many of them. They think that the church is going through the tribulation period. The church is not going through the tribulation period. Lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Um, you all hear me say that he gave Israel a bill of divorcement. He's a one woman man. He's dealing with the Gentile church right now. That's why Satan is trying to kill us now. Come on, somebody. He don't want the Feast of Trumps to come so he could wear us out. All right. We're spiritual Israel. He's turned his back on the Jews. I'm going to leave to you your house desolate until you say it. Blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. All right. This has only happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer, read Revelation 19, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, and this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. My God, Abraham, can you count the stars of the sky? so shall your heavenly seed be. Abraham, can you count the grains of sand on the seashore? So shall your earthly seed be. Abraham, I'm going to bless you with a heavenly seed and an earthly seed. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to save my people. 
Come on, somebody. My God. All right. So they will turn to God fully and wholly. They're going to cry unto him. He's going to hear them and he's going to save them. But anybody that come through that tribulation period, make no doubt about it. They will have come through hell on earth. And as a matter of fact, when they join us around the throne, they're going to sing a song that we can't even sing. We sing a song that the angels can't sing. But when they join us around the throne, I'll have to find that scripture. They're going to sing a song that we won't know nothing about. My God, he atoned them for their sin. All right. The day of atonement. That's the Moad uh, for the Jewish, the Jews when they come in. Amen. And it's on the Jewish calendar right now. It is called Yom Kippur. All right, let's go to the last one. All right, somebody need to let me know when I forget to flip, flip my screen back. All right, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles is the last one, Feast of Tabernacles. All right, this is when God will come and dwell with men permanently. Come on, somebody. All right. In the Hebrew word, this is called sahat, and it means tent. Do you all remember when David said, uh, Lord, I've been living in my house and um, I haven't made you a house. You're still dwelling in a tent. And um, David set out to build a house for God and in. God told David, no, David, you can't build me a house. Um, you have blood on your hands. David was a warrior. Uh, he said, I, he said, I thank God for the for the warring that's in my members. He was a natural born killer and God used him. Uh, um, he used that talent, that gift that he had. Amen. To avenge Israel of many of their enemies. But when it got time to build God a house, he said, no, you can't build me a house. Solomon will build me a house. So he allowed David to work out a lot of the procuring of the, the gold and the timbers and the things that were needed to build the house. But um, God dwelt in a tent all the time when he avenged them of their enemies. My God, uh, he, the, the Ark of the Covenant, it dwelt in a tent. All right. And so this is Sahat. It means tent. All right. And today they keep this feast and uh, many of them in observance for the times that God um, dwelt with them, stayed with them, uh, the Ark of the Covenant being in the tent, they now have tent meetings. Well, well actually tent, or I should call them um, going camping. Uh, they still keep this. You, you have to go and dwell in a tent in observance of the time that God dwelt in a tent and protected them from their enemies, all right? So they had to go and dwell in another dwelling, signifying the times when Jesus himself uh, dwelt in a tent, all right? 
Uh, what is this? This is the Feast of Tabernacles. This is the second coming of Christ. Now, don't th this confuse with his appearing. Come on, somebody. When he comes and raptures the church, he will appear. All right. But this time he's going to come. This is the second coming of Christ. All right. It's the Feast of Tabernacles when he will permanently dwell with his people. All right. Let's go to John 7. Let's go to John 7. John 7, and we want 2 through 13. We have this in the scriptures. You have it? What does it say? Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go unto Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou dost. For there is no man that doth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh uh, to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. Look at this. <laughs> For neither his brethren believed in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth. Why? Because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. Jesus said, when I show up at the Feast of Tabernacles, both Jew and Gentile are going to know that I'm God. My God. Uh, go back and read this discourse. They say, well, listen, if you do all these things that you say to do, go show yourself to the people so they know who you are. Jesus said, no, <laughs> no that this is not my time. All right. Uh, look at this. He says, I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, he uh, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Now, did Jesus tell a lie? He said, I'm not going to this feast of tabernacles. Y'all going up. My time is not yet come, but when I do show up at the Feast of Tabernacles, everybody's eyes will recognize and know who I am. But he said he wasn't going, but he showed up not openly, but secretly. How many know you can entertain angels unawares? Is it possible? Let me ask the question before we ask, answer the question that Jesus tell a lie. 
Is it possible for Jesus not to be anywhere? Is that even possible? Jesus is everywhere. Come on, somebody, all the time. He fills all space, occupies all rooms. Come on, somebody, everything is open and naked before him. He didn't go up openly, but he was there secretly because he's the silent uh, host at every meal. Come on, somebody. My God, he knows everything that you say. He knows all conversation. Everything is open and naked before him. Uh, He knows your thoughts before you think them. Come on, somebody. My God. And we can actually go into those four beasts that were around the throne with eyes. Uh, If you go back to Revelation and read those four beasts that represented the glorified church, they had eyes all around. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Come on, somebody. But that's a Bible. That's another Bible class. All right. But when his brethren were gone up, he went up also unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And they were much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, well, he's a good man. Others says, nay, but he deceiveth the people. Howbeit no man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. There were a lot of Jews in town at that feast of tabernacles. All right. My time is not yet. Come on, somebody. When he shows up for this Moad, come on, somebody. Everybody will know who he is. Come on. Now, there is a time during the millennial reign after he fights the Battle of Armageddon, he he takes the beast number one and beast number two, put them in the lake of fire. Now, there's no return from that. All right. We know death and hell is going to be put in the lake of fire. When When you go to the lake of fire, that is the end. But he takes Satan. You all remember the, the, the unholy trinity. You got Satan, beast number one, the unity of nations, and beast number two, the false church. He took beast number one and beast number two. He put them in the lake of fire. He took Satan and he put him in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And then he heals the land. Those that went through me with the study of Revelation, you remember this. All right. But then he's going to be loosed for a season. All right. And God is going to then destroy him. All right. So during this millennial reign, this thousand year period that God is going to restore, God is going to heal this land. They're going to keep this feast the Feast of Tabernacles for the thousand years when he restores uh, David's kingdom. Let's look at, read it in Zechariah 14, 16 through 19. They're actually going to keep this feast every year of that thousand year millennial period. All right. And it shall come to pass, Zechariah 14, 
16 through 19, it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep what the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And how long can you last without water? And if a family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain, they shall have no range. There shall be uh, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. Uh, as I said, if you don't keep these feast days, you're cut off. Come on, somebody. This shall be the punishment of Egypt. And the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. Come on, somebody. God is going to establish his church upon the mountains during that, that thousand year period. There ain't going to be no different denominations then. Everybody's going to know that there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. Amen. His name is Jesus. And those, they say, well, we'll go up with you. Because if they didn't go up, they would be cut off and the plague would be put upon um, the families. Now, this is the one feast that Gentiles uh, can attend. All right. Uh, and that is when they tabernacle together, they tabernacle with God. All right. This is going to come to pass. It's going to be fulfilled. Remember, it's going to start with a Moad. It's going to end with a Moad. Look at Revelation 21, Revelation 21, 1 through 3. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city. What was it? New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself. God himself shall be with them and be their God. God is going to tabernacle what he wanted from the very beginning. He's finally going to get his bride. My God, what he has gone through to have relationship with each and every one of us, my God, if we take this, the um, uh, the um, six years, uh, the six days of seven thousand years apiece. Now, the day we are in the sixth day now, and we know it's going to last seven thousand years. The last two thousand of it will be the church age, which we know we're at the tail end of it now. All right, that would represent 42,000 years 
uh, he has worked for this time to come to finally tabernacle with his people, to be um, uh, with us, God, Emmanuel. Come on, somebody. Uh, he had to deal with the fall of Satan. He had to deal with the fall of the angels. He had to deal with the fall of men. All right. He had to deliver Israel from so many different uh, evil regimes that wanted to destroy them and wipe them off the face of the earth. Who was that? That was the Babylonian Empire. It was the Egyptian Empire. It was the Neo-Babylonian Empire. It was the Persian Empire. It was the Greek Empire. Uh, we have the Roman Empire. Now we got the revived Roman Empire that's coming back. And during the time of the tribulation, uh, the devil is going to try to wipe them off uh, the face of the earth. But it will never, it will never happen. All right. He has to fight the battle of Armageddon. He says, let your weak say that I'm strong. Bring all of your intercontinental missiles. Bring all of your atomic bombs. Bring all of your nuclear bombs. He's going to dry up the, uh, the sea to the east and let them come uh, and drive their vehicles and all, all everything that they bring it all. Let your weak say that I'm strong. He's going to fight the battle of Armageddon. He's going to destroy beast number one and destroy beast number two. He's going to bind Satan in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. He's going to restore the earth. He's going to lose Satan after the thousand years are done. Satan is going to gather another army and is going to come and fight against Jerusalem. And he's going to speak out of his mouth. And destroy them for good. My God. And then we see that Satan is put into the lake of fire uh, for everlasting punishment. He'll never return then. He goes through all of this to finally sahat, to tabernacle with his bride. Who wouldn't serve a God like this? Who's worth it? My God. And when you think about our, uh, our, he saved a wretch like me, not fit to live, not fit to die. My God. But he saw something that others couldn't see. My God. He saved me. He thought enough about me to go through all of this. He finally, in the end, gets his bride. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad I am of the bride of Christ. All right. Those are the seven feasts of Jehovah. He's going to keep them in order. Come on, somebody. He said, listen, if you don't meet me there, you're going to miss out. Amen. And this is the one that we're waiting on now is the Feast of Trumps. 
For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the what? Trump. My God, the last trump is getting ready to sound. My God. When you see that sliver of the new moon, watch and be sober, saints. That trump is about to blow. God is soon to come. My God. You know, people, I have heard uh, Bishop Paddock, I was a young lad when he would come to New Grace and teach. And I always would um, take notice when somebody started talking about the Antichrist and Satan. You know, I didn't, I wasn't too much interested at the time, but I knew, you know, I had some friends that were pretty bad. But I, I figured if I stay away from Satan, I'll be all right. Uh, anybody named Devil, uh, he would talk about uh, the Antichrist, and he would say he's alive and well and dwelling among us today. When I think about the teaching of Bishop Herman, he would teach and say, you know, that spirit, uh, that uh, Antichrist is alive and well and dwelling among us today. My father's teaching. He's alive and well and dwelling among us today. Now, you know, I begin to start thinking, now, wait a minute now. This Antichrist, he done outlive Bishop Paddock. He done outlive Bishop Herman. He done outlive my father. I'm teaching the same thing that the Lord, Terry, he's going to outlive me. Uh, what do you mean? That spirit of Antichrist. That spirit of Antichrist is alive and well. And, and hereby we know that this is the last day because there are what? Many Antichrists. Now, when this, uh, the Antichrist is revealed, Satan is just going to incarnate himself into a man. Uh, we know that he's going to be Jewish uh, ethnicity. Uh, he's going to be a Jew and he's going to be Roman by citizenship. All right. Uh, now, there's only two that God recognized, Jew and Gentile. If you ain't no Jew, you're a Gentile. I don't care what color or where you're from or whatever. If you ain't a Jew, you're a Gentile. All right. And when the time is right, Satan is going to incarnate himself into a man. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, go back to when John asked, was laying on the breast of Jesus. And he said, now, who is it that's going to betray you? And, and, and Jesus said, well, listen, when I dip the sock, the one I hand it to, is the one that's going to betray me. Read that scripture. The Bible says when Jesus dipped the sop and handed it to Judas, Satan entered into him. Read it. It's right there. Now, when Jesus said, I've chose you 12 and one of you is the devil and is going to betray me, uh, Judas was asking the same question. Is it I? Is it I? Come on, somebody. My God. But when the time was right, he dipped the sop, handed it to Judas, and Satan entered him. 
This Antichrist, when it's time for him to be revealed, he is going to incarnate himself into a man. And just like that, he will be on the scene. Come on, somebody. My God. And he's going to come in as a conquering hero. And he's going to obtain the kingdom by flattery. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. My God, may God bless you. May God keep you.